0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Notables podcast where we share transformative ideas and conversations with interesting and inspiring people. We hope you enjoy the show and if you do, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. We're glad you're listening. This is Notables. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for sticking with me. I really appreciate it. I took a bit of a hiatus. I haven't been on the microphone for five or six weeks, various reasons. We had the flu going around in our family, our little girls in daycare now. So you can imagine how that goes. I got busy on a few other projects and things have been really, really busy on the consulting front. So I really do appreciate you sticking with me and and joining me once again. Got some great stuff coming up ahead, some great interviews, some great guests, uh, some great ideas to share. So today what I want to talk about is what I like to call stop starting and start finishing. So part of this is to set out to debunk the myth that multitasking leads to higher productivity, greater throughput and greater efficiency. In certain instances, it will. In others, it won't. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit further. I'm also going to give you some ideas or tips to try um, to actually increase your throughput. Decrease your, what we call, your lead time. The time it takes for something to, when you first think of the idea or the request comes in, to actually complete it. So we're going to talk through some of those. And I'll give you some real-world examples around that as well. So there's certain key terms I think would be worth mentioning and getting a little more comfortable with uh, before I get into more of the details of this conversation. So the first one is called what we call your delivery rate. So your delivery rate is the rate by which you can complete items. you WIP, or work in process, some people call it work in progress. Those are the number of items that you have in the queue, so to speak, that you're working on in parallel in any given moment. So those could be a wide variety of things. It could be reading a chapter in a book while you're trying to write a chapter in your own book, while listening to a podcast, while working on uh, studying for an exam or certification or doing schoolwork. So anything that you have on your to-do list in parallel would be called, that you're actively working on in parallel would be called your WIP or your work in process. The last thing I wanna talk about is called your lead time. So your lead time is basically the, from, from the second that you think of an idea, you jot it down, you put it in a system that you might be using for as a task list or something like that, whatever that is, something that you decide to do from the second you think of that idea to the second is actually completed, whether that's in production, if it's a software product or it's a book, it's been published, whatever that, whatever that is, that duration is called your lead time. So I think starting with those key terms is going to help make the rest of the conversation be a little more, uh, comfortable if you will. So, so let's get into it. So first and foremost, there is a, um, a law actually it's a theorem out there that was developed back in the 60s by a guy a guy by the name of John Little so it was called Little's law Little's law basically proves mathematically proves that you can decrease your overall lead time again the time it takes from something to from an idea um, from when you start something in the ideation phase, all the way to completion, you can decrease the amount of time or speed up the amount of time it actually takes to do something by limiting the amount of things that you're working on in any given time. So that's one thing. And we can we can go down a dark, dark hole uh, researching go over an examples of Little's Law and how you can use it, tweak it to, to prove this. But it is used out there in certain instances. The other thing I really want to talk about So I wanna get into a little bit about context switching or some people call it context um, shifting. So that's basically a small amount of overhead that's created when you go from one particular task, especially in knowledge work or you're working on a complex problem or solution, you're writing a chapter in a book, you're trying to figure out a math equation, doesn't matter, writing some code for a software project. But when you go from one particular activity to the next, there's cognitive load that takes place. There, there's a, a shift in going from one task to the next. And although that mainly only take a few seconds, in certain instances, it may take minutes um, or, or even longer. You have to go back and remember where you left off. You, your brain processes things in, in functions. So you're used to doing certain activities like reading or writing or listening or whatever the case is so your brain has to get back into that mode so when you are essentially multitasking you're doing a lot of context switching and you're effectively since multipassing depending on how you how you look at it or how you define it a lot of employers will put on their uh, you know preferred skill list that they want a good multitasker What does that really mean? Does that mean you can be on the phone while you're writing an email? How does the quality suffer in both of those? Are you really paying attention or giving the focus to one thing over the other? Or is it, you know, can you do that without losing the quality? How much attention are you really paying if it's something that you really want to absorb or get the value of it? Because when you're doing something, let's just use uh, another example here. Let's use an example of listening to a podcast and Playing with your child. So if you're listening to a podcast and you're very engaged in that podcast and it's educational and you're trying to get a lot of value out of it, it's really, really difficult if you have somebody that's tugging at you that you're running around the house and you're trying to play, etc. So your mind can only really commit to full focus of one thing at a time. So if you don't have that focus, you won't be able to commit That information to short-term memory, which will make it virtually impossible then to recall it later on as needed in long-term memory. So doing one thing, giving it all the focus at one time is really, really important whenever you can possibly do it. Now taking another example, like talking on the phone to your mother or your mother-in-law while you're folding laundry. Well, folding laundry done it so many times. It's so routine. Your brain doesn't even have to think about it. So you can probably give 95, 98, 99% of the attention and focus to that phone call that you're on with your mother or mother-in-law and just a couple of percent because you're just going through the motions of folding laundry. So in certain instances, okay. But when you're doing knowledge work, when you're listening and trying to absorb things or you're writing or outputting a product, working on a more complex thing, it really, really pays to work on that thing and that thing only, because you'll make more progress, you'll get more value out of it, you produce higher quality, rather than doing two things at once, because something is going to take a quality hit. So that's not to mention a quality hit. If you're working on multiple things at the same time, again, I go back to this context shifting, your brain has to kind of reset, dig deep to find the other function that it really needs to uh, bring to the surface—that you need to use some digital brain power, whatever it is—to then switch over to the other thing. Then you sometimes there's some recon that you have to do. What are, what was I working on? Where did I leave off? I have to go through notes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, another good example of this would be developing modules. So I'm writing a lot of content out in a Microsoft Word document and developing you know, eight modules for an online training course that I'm creating, but at the same time, I need to put together my website. So I'm going to work on, you know, a module for a little while, I get tired of it, I lose focus, I'm going to go over and do the website, where did I leave off, etc. I think you get the idea. But you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. I would say that if at all possible, you work on those modules, you work on that one more complex task, and give it all the focus you need before you then switch over to the other one. The other thing I would say, so that's what we call limiting your work in process. So you're basically saying, I'm only going to work on two things at a time. It's going to be this, but I'm going to work. I'm going to block some time out to work on that particular item because you're going to make a lot more headway. You'll avoid context switching. And basically then when you're finished with that, whatever that means to you, And a lot of times we like to call it kind of setting a a destination. How far do I want to get? Let's hit that goal before I then, maybe it's finish a module. Maybe it's finish half a module, whatever that looks like for you. Before I then switch over and then work on my website or do something else that creates that context switching or some of the overhead of that context switching. So that's one thing you can do. The, The other thing is has to do with the whip. And this goes back to Little's law and the theorem that uh, he created that's been used globally through uh, thousands and thousands of organizations and coaches for efficiency and productivity measurements. But basically, what it boils down to, and it can be used, it can be applied many, many different ways. But one of the ways it boils down to one of the ways it boils down to is that You, If your whip increases, meaning you put more things in your queue that you're working on at any given moment, it's going to take you longer to get each of those things completed. Makes 100% sense. How could it not? So what you want to do is try to limit that as much as possible. So that's why I go back to my um, stop starting and start finishing things. And that's a mantra at our organization. It's a mantra within me is that if I set out to do something, I want to do whatever I possibly can to finish that particular task before I move on to the next one. Overall, if you do this and you're doing it well, you will be more efficient. You'll reduce the amount of context switching you're do, or that you're doing. You will decrease your lead time. So let's go back to the example of writing out all of our modules and working on our website. If we were to do them in parallel, will we get them done eventually? Absolutely, 100%. But if we can sequence that work and group like work, meaning like work would be I'm going to work on four of my modules for four hours because I know it takes me about an hour each. And then once I'm done with that, once I've reached my destination, then I'm going to switch over and work on the website for four hours and do that work. That's perfectly fine. Ideally, you could work you would work through all the modules first, get them out for feedback, or you would work on one module if it takes you 4 hours, push that out for feedback from whoever you're working with. While you're waiting for that feedback to come back, that might be a good time to then switch over and work so work isn't sitting idle on your on your website. But particularly the reason that we want to, you know, essentially try to work on one work item, one type of work at the same time is not only just for the context switching, it's because when you talk about starting the clock for your work in process, how long from the time you touch something to the time you actually finish it. Now, if you have eight modules in that queue that you have to finish, you're working on three of them, you go over and do something else. Well, now you've just, you've stopped the clock. The clock hasn't stopped, but you've stopped working on that item. So you can see how that works. So now you've delayed progress. You've increased your lead time, meaning the time from you got the idea to time to finishing. You've also increased your um, work in process time because like I said, the clock doesn't stop, whether it's a day, two days, a month, two years for whatever you're doing. If you don't dedicate that time and follow it through and finish it before you start working on something else, both items are going to end up taking longer because you're switching back and forth and you've got dead time, essentially. That's because those items are sitting in your queue waiting to get done. So I hope that makes sense. I know it's a little complex, but if you want to see some real world examples of this, just Google John Little or Little's Law. Some of the examples are super, super complex, but some of them, um, they take examples like Starbucks. How many people can be served if we, limit the amount of things that we're doing. Um, we limit the amount of people online, things like that. So they're they're semi-relatable examples that you can uh, use uh, to make some additional sense of this but the net the takeaway of all this is essentially it is far better far more productive far more efficient you'll get higher throughput you'll decrease your lead time meaning from idea to completion if you Basically, have the mindset or the it's almost a mantra to me at this point. Where if you have a lot of things, you're jogging a lot of balls, you got a lot of things going on at once. Stop starting new things and start finishing the things that you have that are already in progress. The clock is still ticking on those things while you're trying to figure out or start other things that you have to do as well. Do your best to group work of similar nature and complexity, carve out your day, carve out time to finish those more complex um, work items, block time out to work on those. And then once you hit set that destination point, once you've hit that, then switch over to do some more creative work or leisure work or whatever the case is, fun work. and. Do it that way. Sequence it that way as much as possible. You'll limit their context switching, which will help you reduce the amount of time it takes or your your whip time, your work in process time from the time you touch something to finish it. You'll also decrease your overall lead time. So those are my takeaways. Like I said, you can Google John Little or Little's Law to find out more about this. But this stuff works. Trust me, you can mathematically prove it And you can also play with that equation, which basically is the delivery rate, the rate at which you're actually getting items completed equals the work in process on the top, the amount of items that you have in your queue to work on at any given time, divided by the average time it takes you to complete those items. That'll equal your delivery rate. So then you could start to play around with, well, I have typically have eight things I'm working on at any given moment. What if I take that down to three? I know these things take me about an hour each. How will that affect how many my throughput, how many things I can get through the pipeline, the queue, in a certain amount of time? So anyway, Little's Law, check it out. But takeaway message: stop starting, start finishing. It'll work wonders for you. Glad you can join me today. Look forward to chatting again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Notables. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review and rating. You can also support the Notables podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Just visit anchor.fm notables or click the link in the show notes. Your support is greatly appreciated. For more information and show transcripts, please visit www.notablespodcast.com.